This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. (laughs) I am the truth that all are equal, for all are one. Equality does not mean conformity. All aspects of life are by their very nature unique aspects of love that are equally precious and beloved. All give life to love, and love gives life to all. I speak as love beneath the sounds of fear and judgment. I am the truth that judgment is in direct opposition to unconditional love. Where unconditional love is opposed, there is suffering. Where unconditional love flourishes, I am. Where the roots of conflict are pulled up and seeds of unity are planted, I am. Valeria Tellis interviews Mary Reed, the author of Unwitting Mystic, Evolution of the Message of Love. Mary Reed was a staunchly agnostic healthcare executive in Washington, D.C. when she began venturing uncontrollably into metaphysical experiences with Jesus, Buddha, and angels. She finally surrendered her normal life and spent seven years in a tiny nunnery in the Himalayas coming to terms with her unexpected mystical abilities. Her profound experiences, which still continue, are both a roadmap and an invitation into the divine wisdom we all hold within. Through the healing power of her exquisitely embodied direct wisdom, today, Mary is startling the world awake, relieving the origins of our long-held mental burdens and setting us free to live in the visceral state of fearless love. Mary's presence and teachings are a palpable transmission of divine energies through her award-winning book, Unwitting Mystic, as well as online courses, talks, retreats, consultations, and weekly online gatherings with her Patreon community. She has traveled widely sharing her stories and teachings and has appeared on numerous programs, including Buddha at the Gas Pump, Conscious TV, and Unity Online Radio. Meet Mary at unwittingmystic.com. Here is the interview with Mary Reed. In your own words, who is Mary Reed? (laughs) What a wonderful opening question. You know, that is an identity label, isn't it? Uh, The experience of Mary Reed here is one that has had quite an incredible journey, as most people do in their own way. But mine began with a life that was very much being an agnostic. Um, I didn't really have a spiritual 
curiosity. I wasn't religious at all. And I didn't really have big questions about life. So about 20 years ago, uh, there was a series of events that unfolded that um, created this opening somehow in me that I began to have um, uncontrolled mystical experiences going into these otherworldly realms and uniting with Jesus and Buddha and God and angels. And that really flipped my world upside down. So that after about a 10-year period of confusion in which the mystical experiences just kept coming more often and more often, eventually my world just tipped upside down. And so the experience of Mary Reed went from being a successful healthcare executive in Washington, D.C., to living uh, in a tiny Buddhist nunnery in the Himalayas in India and uh, letting all of my of the old identities fall away and the new being as sort of a mystic who can have direct access to divine wisdom, just let that path unfold. And so that's the path that I've been on ever since. And that's what all of my teachings are based on. What is mysticism and how would you describe what a mystic is? Oh, I'm so glad that you asked that question. Um, the word mystic, you know, I don't have a religious background, so I don't have any association with the language of spirituality, which is really a great benefit for me, because then I can just use words that speak my truth, that hold the intention or the body of what I what I mean. And the word mystic for me means a direct access to divine realms or divine beings or divine wisdom. It is an embodied state. A mystic is one that that has the embodied experience of wisdom. Um, And mysticism for me is sort of living in that wisdom and conveying that wisdom through the teachings. Now, I realize that in the general public, uh, for most people, mystic is one who seeks that wisdom or that understanding, which is understandable. But in my world, um, when I say I am a mystic, I mean that I am one that embodies the experiences, the direct experiences of that wisdom. What is the difference between wisdom, knowledge, and beliefs, Mary? Well, I can say first off that belief is comes from the mind. It is something that we create as a concept or an idea. And when I say wisdom, I mean uh, the realization of truth that rises up naturally, that isn't crafted that isn't dependent on other things. It's an innate truth that uh, we can come into, um, which is what I would call wisdom. The term knowing, I'm not sure that it's helpful because it can be, you know, we can think about, I know things in this world as a concept. We can know that. Uh, but there's a deeper sense of knowing that comes from we know direct truth. So I would steer away personally from that um, word and just, you know, leave things pretty simple between wisdom and belief. I love that you said the knowing, that word being connected to knowledge, one who seeks to know. And what about the idea of the unknown? Yeah, who is comfortable with the unknown? (laughs) Pretty much no one is, but uh, can we become comfortable with the unknown? Oh, I think the unknown is the most beautiful place, which is why I said I would probably steer clear of the word knowing, because in actuality, all the unknown is, is knowing that we haven't come into the presence of yet. So it's wisdom that is present, but we simply haven't um, united 
with that awareness of it yet. So the unknown state is like when you consider, let's say, for example, you go on a journey, you're going to go hiking in the Himalayas. You don't know what you're going to find along the way. You're going to have this, like the journey into the unknown. So everything has its charm and its um, surprise and all of that sort of stuff. And that's what I find as I come into more and more of the wisdom in these really surprising ways. So for me, that area is like a wonderland. It's absolutely spectacular. And I actually, in a lot of my teachings, um, guide people into the surrender into the unknown. Because so much, we spoke early on about, um, you know, we often want to try to control things. uh, And the lack of surrender is our ability to control what we want to find right? We have expectations of what we hope to find. And that's always based on some idea or concept in the past. And so the unknown is that which we haven't experienced yet, right? And so much of mystic wisdom is exactly that. It is the magic of coming into the realization of something that while we haven't known it from a mental thing, something deep and ancient within us recognizes it. And that's always in that that realm of the unknown. What is beyond experience, Mary? It seems like everything that we are capable to know, it can also be experienced. So I'm wondering, what is there beyond experience? Can we somehow realize or perceive that? Well, um, you know, when you come back down to the pure essence of what we are, of what life is, in my experience, life is Um, simply an awareness. Awareness is life itself. There's not some thing that's aware. Awareness is the thing. And so therefore, everything that we experience as life is an awareness experience. We're aware of it. So there is no separation between experience and being or experience and knowing or experience even as the unknown. Anything that we come into, we're experiencing. Mm, Oh, I love that. (laughs) No separation, right? No separation. Here we are in the unit of consciousness. Yes, yes, a billion times to that. Um, That's beautiful because, I mean, if you can label that, I guess it comes with the the energetic resonance of joy might be, of the the truth behind that, the body kind of um, responds to it. Yes. And let me, uh, can I just add there, I love how you're phrasing this, um, the energetic awareness through the body, because that is so true. That is all of this energetic awareness. You know, normally we're perceiving and engaging with our world through the mind, through the sense perceptions of the mind that we normally operate in. But in the mystic wisdom state, that awareness is direct awareness through the body, through the energetic awareness itself. The purpose of being here in a human body, Mary, is there a purpose or this universal purpose or Purposes have something to do with the individual, with the sense of me, of the contracted energy of me. I will have to, I want to give some context here. In the original, so I should preface this by saying that my mystical abilities um, began in December 
2000. And all of my mystical events uh, are an embodied kind of state. Uh, I often use the analogy of you can imagine a blackboard that has a lesson written on it, but um, I enter into the blackboard and become the lesson itself rather than reading the lesson. I become the lesson itself. And most of my experiences relate to what we think is important to understanding human evolution or human experience. So I had one of my experiences was going into the very first moment of waking up into conscious awareness. So I'm in that primordial state that absolutely nothing before there's something, the potential for life before there's a living of life. And in that moment of pure awareness as nothing, there was movement. And as that movement moved through me, I felt engorged with and as the God source. And as that happened, I said very forcefully, I am goodness and I want to be all that I am. And so that first moment, those words as they came through me, I could feel them as the creative force compelling me into existence. So movement, the word, is the creative force. In the beginning, there was word. That was exactly my experience. And so what I said was, I am goodness and I want to be all that I am. So awareness, or what we call God, Life is that experience of God seeking to know itself. We are seeking to be aware of and love all there is to be aware of and love. So when we think about the universal purpose, that is the universal purpose, experiencing all there is to be aware of and love. And through this process, many of us in the individual contributions to that collective momentum is that we come in with a particular way that we want to contribute our knowing. And in this moment in human evolution, that contribution is a healing of all of the suffering that we have been aware of for eons. So that's the process that we're in right now. So all of us that are here have chosen to be here at this time. We have some role in that. And we do it in, in just the simple matter of being here. We are, we are willing to be here. We are willing to explore and contribute and heal. Makes me think about this coming healing, because this is something that I, or this something in me is very interested in, this idea of healing, which has to do with the separated wholeness, as I call it not knowing, not yet realizing. I mean, it cannot be known anyway, but it can be realized, which uh, I think I talked to you off record about realizing the impossible. That sounds to me that doesn't take um, knowledge, like mental activity. It's not about going, seeking or trying to become whole, but realizing that we are already whole. It can only happen energetically, right, Mary? I love the, yeah, what you say, too, because you, on your website, you said that when you, you wrote me by email, you said, yeah, it's energetically. So what I do, my teaching, so that's why I use videos, because it's more than language, more than words. It, that is so true, although you just, you also mentioned about awareness and then this word, the sound was there. 
So there's something to do with sound too. I mean, everything's energy, right? Free energy, unbounded. Yeah, everything is energy. And in, uh, especially in mystical wisdom, there's a transmission of that energy that happens. So for example, I meet weekly with um, a private community and I channel, I, I began channeling um, at the beginning of the pandemic last year, interestingly enough, uh, suddenly I began channeling a very large collective of div- divine beings. So I channel those um, beings weekly and I'm, I've just um, completed a manuscript for a book um, releasing all of those teachings from those divine beings out into the world in written form. But when they come through, when that channeling is happening, there is a huge transmission so that the audience, the listener, the recipient of that is participating in the wisdom at the same time that it's happening. So it's a marvelous experience, and it really does call you into the realization of how it is an energetic experience, how all of this is energy that's moving, that's opening, that's sort of untangling, um, which is the healing. The healing process is the untangling of, you might imagine, you know, a vibration wave that has a knot in it, right? So we untangle those so that we can we can open up the vibrational patterns, and that is um, then the healing that manifests the healing in the body, in our communities, and in the collective as well. That very much resonates the energetic transmission and communication. That really, really resonates. I have no idea why, but it it does. <laughs> it can be it felt. It resonates because we recognize truth. Yes. Uh, truth recognizes truth. So when there's a truth that's spoken and received, it touches that same exact vibrational pattern within us. So it resonates. That's clearly resonance. Yes. Yeah. I love that word for some reason, too. Even sounds good. (laughs) It sounds very good to me. My last warm up question is about freedom, enlightenment, liberation. What do you see when that question is asked? What is liberation? Oh, you know, I love the word freedom because uh, when we get into the fully surrendered state, when we relieve the burden of our mind, that our mind that has carried all of this burden, this weight of trying to be okay, when we relieve all of that and we come into a full state of ter- surrender, surrendering to our greater, greater power, to all of that unknown, when we surrender into that, then we can be taken care of. We have the freedom then to be taken care of in the highest way possible. So we're shown what being taken care of means. Our mind no longer has to do it. So we have this freedom, this incredible freedom that we have never been able to to be, be the experience of that freedom when we come into the surrendered state. So in in my world, in, in the mystic wisdom world, that state of freedom is for all intents and purposes, the end of hell. Because hell is only that which we've created through the mind. It is only that which is created in separation consciousness. So when we emerge out of separation consciousness and into that unitive state, there isn't even the access to the feeling of suffering or even the idea of hell. Those things simply aren't accessible in that full freedom state. 
what it comes to me, you said earlier about becoming the experience, becoming freedom just now and not being in the moment, but becoming the moment. That really sounds to me like uh, wholeness, yeah, no separation anymore. And then when I think about no judgments, that, that what comes is discernment. Discernment, it's different than judgment, right, Mary? I mean, we have to discern in order to navigate this reality in the body. But I love the idea of trust, though, even more than discernment. Trust in that whatever happens to the body, it's okay, too. It's unconditional love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think that um, certainly, you know, there is a great difference between discernment and judgment. A judgment is based on a value, and discernment is simply identifying differences or qualities or things like that. So they're they're very different, yeah, in my world anyway. What about trust, Mary? Do you often use that word too? And if you do, that would be who you're trusting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> who is so, there to um, trust? <laughs> I love that question. Yes, I often use the word trust and it's a it's a key part. If you if you think about um, an invitation into surrender, like what is it that wouldn't want to surrender? It's the thing that doesn't trust right? So trust is really key. And both of these things, surrender and trust, are founded upon simply a willingness, a willingness to surrender, a willingness to trust. We can't get there without a willingness to be in that state, right? So it all begins with our willingness. And then, you know, our mind, our beautiful mind, sometimes has to come into it piece by piece because it's scared. It's scared of its, its losing its existence and all of this stuff. And I should mention in my teachings, a lot, I know a lot of teachings that talk about doing away with the ego or the mind or, or there's sort of the blame that's placed on the mind. And my teachings are really completely the opposite, um, recognizing the innocent intention of our mind to try to take care of us. And so my teachings are never about excluding the mind, but bringing, a lo- bringing it along in the process and inviting it into the unitive state as well. And therefore, um, what happens is all of the mistrust that's carried in the mind just begins to dissolve. So you wrote the book, <laughs> Unwitting Mystic, Evolution of the Message of Love. Talk to me about the main intention of writing your book, Mary. Well, uh, I have to say the main intention for me when I wrote it was to get it out of my system Um, because coming from um, no religious background at all, I I had no infrastructural context for everything that I was learning. I once had a person who's... uh, what's his name, Dr. Rudy Bauer with the Washington Consciousness Studies Institute, he once told me that I have such a profound gift for whatever reason of access that uh, I just, most people in their world go from A to B to C to D to, to get to the Z of spiritual wisdom. And I just jump from A to Z. But the problem is I don't have any context because I didn't have the inside of that journey. So everything was really, really, really overwhelming to me. And holding all of that big wisdom that I didn't know how to talk about, I didn't have language for, I didn't have any kind of um, infrastructure of support through like religious institutions or any of that kind of thing. I didn't have community. So when I finally... I only surrendered basically by defeat. My life, my normal life fell apart. 
And I had no options but to surrender into the mystical journey. And that was 10 years into having all of these experiences. So once I did, and I ended up getting um, invited to India to speak with a, a high Tibetan Lama there about my experiences. And I was invited to stay in India and be taken care of by the nuns at this nunnery. I then had an opportunity to finally let everything begin to process in a way that I could speak about it, that I could begin to get piece by piece out of my system. As the pieces all kind of came together in a story, um, then I was able to get it out. And when that happened, uh, when the moment happened that I realized how I was supposed to give the story, how the you know my higher guidance wanted for it to be out in the world, then I couldn't stop it. Uh, it just flowed it was like a flush out of me. It came very, very quickly. And uh, and I should mention that that just happened with my second book that I've just put together, 279 pages I've put together in 13 days. So that just tells you how quickly when these things are ready to come and the universe wants it to come, it's going to happen. Speaking of the sense of I, me, and all this story that we tell ourselves, which is part of the healing process. That's interesting. It was my case too, writing. It was a way of, uh, of healing. That was um, the door, the path in the, the very beginning. And then suffering. How is suffering different from pain? Oh, I, I wouldn't separate them, really. Uh, you know, I want to be I want to be clear here about the use of words. You know, word is something that's been created by somebody sometime. Uh, and then we all we all have a lot that's loaded in our own understanding that's tethered to that. So in my world, um, suffering comes from pain. Right. So if you're if you're in pain, you're suffering and vice versa. So I, I would use them pretty much inter interchangeably. But I. I probably use the word pain more often just to have an ability to identify it as a thing, um, for example, a specific kind of pain uh, that we can relate to so that we can, I, we can sort of bring it in, in embrace and, and really have a relationship with it that's more personal than just an overall bit of suffering. Right. And with that in mind, what I'm, I wonder if it's possible to drop the suffering, which it seems like when you say, when you talk about no separation, you know, we are using words, there's no separation anyway, and suffering comes from pain. But I wonder if it's possible to experience pain, perhaps at the level of, it could be emotional, psychological, but physical especially, and just be aware of it as pain. Pain is happening. Pain arises, but there's no one that attached to it as my pain or my suffering. Yes. So there's a couple of things I want to say about that. When we are immersed in the separation consciousness and we're identified with and as that pain, when we literally say, I am in pain, right? So we're, we're claiming that I am experience of I am in pain, right? And so we are then indulging the pain that we're experiencing. Or we, there's two, two states to that. We can embrace the pain as an acknowledgement that it's here. But that's not the same as indulging the pain and, and living based on that. Um, so making decisions based on that or re most often reacting from or in pain. So we can, the embrace of it, even in a separation consciousness, is just simply acknowledging that it's here. 
yes, I have this particular kind of pain. Indulging it is doing something with it or because of it. So those are two different states. But then when you get into elevated states of being, where you really are experiencing the unitive state, it's you can see that there is pain, for example, for example, from the past, and all pain is from the past, but you see it in a different light, right? So you're not experiencing the pain, you're understanding where that pain comes from, what that pain is contributing to, all of the things that are help fo- helping to foster that pain, etc. And you he- you fe- you see it and experience it from a healing perspective, and that moment alone is a healing factor. Just the, the the ability to see it from the healing state is in and of itself a healing factor. Yeah, especially without the stories, because we do tend, the I, the me, tends to create uh, yeah, lots of stories for the reason why we suffer, the pains there, and then that kind of um, increases the um, it might even increase the pain. I have interviewed people who have done some work on not detaching, but just kind of um, witnessing and being aware of the pain without the ownership of my pain. And then the, the physical pain became much, much more subtle. That was an experience that someone I interviewed here had which didn't surprise me. It's everything's energy. So the more we give energy to something, it will, it tends to intensify or manifest. Yeah, I mean, this is my experience too. I, I, I lead people regularly kind of into that um, detachment state, if you will, or a reorganization state perhaps is a good way to say it from a vibrational standpoint. But when you think about it, the, the pain, especially the story, that story is always in the past. We're telling about something that happened or, you know, speaking about it, it's always in the past. So if we, if we, say that we want to stay in the present moment, then every time we we want to talk about that that story, we turn around and we go back into the past. So we make an often unintentional or unconscious choice to stay tethered to where that pain is in the past. And and then we bring it into the present moment identified with the past. And so the more that we can just stay very present and think about what is the story of right now? What is the story of this moment right here? What is happening in the energetic presence of me as me right here, right now? And it's never that old story. So, love, talk to me for a moment about the idea of love and how how we interpret love. I mean, we all have different ideas of what love is. And what is your idea, understanding or perception of love? And how can we reconnect or uncover that kind of love that can end suffering? Mm, That's a wonderful question. I really appreciate you bringing that into the conversation. Um, First, let me say that on YouTube, on my YouTube channel, there's a talk called What Love Really Is. It's a popular talk that I have, so I recommend that your listeners check that out, um, What Love Really Is. Now, uh, I begin that talk with the question of if love, you know, people say that love is all there is, love is all we need. But if that's true, if that's really true, then why hasn't love ever been enough to make our suffering go away? 
there has to be some other thing at play. And what's at play is that our understanding of love in the separation consciousness is not love. Because our because it's conditional. It's based on some relationship or some idea or some expectation or some need or some desire. And so uh, we are, in fact, trying to make that which we think is loving, compassion, kindness, etc. We're using what we call love to try to make the bad in our world go away, right? We use love like a weapon to try to make bad go away. And you can see in our world, it has never worked. None, none of the bad that we see in our world today just started. We just keep recycling it and recycling it and recycling it. And the reason is what love really is from the divine perspective is a state of being in which all of life is equal. All of life is free to be whatever it is as it is it's in a unified state of unconditional acceptance. That is the state of divine love. So when you think about that, there is no bad. Bad is the, the experience of pain that we have labeled as bad that we want to go away. And so in the, in the awakening state, what we realize is that we can bring everything, all of that pain, everything that we've been trying to reject or conquer or control using love as a weapon, when we drop all of that and bring it all into the healing state, then all of that pain, all of those bad things come into the healing state as well. And so this is what we're coming into, a whole new level of realization of the truth of love, what love really, really is. I love the, um, in your book, you have a passage that you titled, I am equality, where you say, where unconditional love is opposed, there is suffering. Where unconditional love flourishes, I am. Uh, yeah, nothing resonates more powerfully than that. <laughs> It's just incredible how this is the truth with capital T. Ah, and then we wish that everything just becomes better or improves, that the world uh, becomes, this reality becomes a more peaceful one. And the me, you included, not really um, realizing that it's already fulfilled. This is fulfillment, isn't it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, fulfillment. I love that word, yeah. Um, I should mention uh, that the, the passage that you just, the sentence that you just read, Uh, is from the part three of my book. And that, so my book, it alternates between my personal narrative of what's happening in my life and then the metaphysical experiences that are going on as I'm trying to like be a normal person in the world. So each chapter alternates. So I bring people through the journey of awakening, my own journey, the, the evolution of me as the message of love. But part three in particular was given to me. It was given to me by my higher guidance about what it is to live in Christ consciousness. And, and so all of that basically is the language of Christ. Um, when you're in that Christed state, that vibration of pure love, all of those words came from that state. Yeah, I apologize for not saying that, given that context. I usually don't. <laughs> I go through the books, whatever I have to read for the interview, and I just, whatever calls my attention <laughs> powerfully. <laughs> I just, okay, I want to talk about this. I want to. 
Thank you for, for adding. It's delightful <laughs> to hear that from you. Thank you. Beautiful. And there are so many others. Chapter 38, something caught my attention there too, where you say everything has potential, all potential is possible. Suffering arises from any manner of inequality. So it goes back to that. It's interesting how something in me kind of looked for that, that message. So suffering arises from any manner of inequality for judgment of any kind is out of alignment with that which governs unconditional love. Mm, yeah. Um, yes, that's, wow. I'm wondering how can we realize that? <laughs> you know, I, I'm glad you mentioned this, this issue of equality because it's related to this being, becoming the state of divine witness. When you're just witnessing something and not in a not in a judgment state with it, what happens in that moment is that you're aligning with your own divinity. You're aligning with the I am divine state, right? If you become the divine witness, you are aligning. Otherwise, you are aligning with I am in judgment, right? So when we just bring it into how am I showing up? How am I showing up in this moment, in this present moment, what I am experiencing or witnessing? And what am I claiming that I am in this moment? How am I here in the presence of this, this issue, this person, whatever it is? And once we have that mindful um, reflection, we can make a choice. Oh, I, I choose to be in the divine state here. And that doesn't mean that in that moment we necessarily know how. But the moment that we say we choose to be, that we are willing to be, that's the invitation for the way to be shown. When in the book I say, I am the way, the truth, the life, the way is the first part. We are shown the way. We are shown then the truth. We become, we are the light then. Wow, this idea, the idea of choosing, it's another one that I have been kind of dancing with choosing no one's choosing really there's no one here to choose but it's there's the sen a sense that something opens up that's what it is energetically so even by talking about it something happens so there's so much conditioning of mind and body here happening that i have no control or choice but by talking about what we are talking now it kind of makes this have the sense of choosing to become the moment, to become divine wisdom, as you say. So it, that's what it feels like. And so it goes back to feelings, doesn't it, Mary? Feelings, the energetic resonance, feelings. It's real and not real at the same time. It's real and not real at the same time. Yeah, I guess in my own life and in my own teachings, I simply, I'm very, very strongly guided by what is it that brings me joy. And then the choice that I make in the moment is easily led to that thing that's in my highest interest because our highest self, our divine nature is inherently joyful. And so every time we make a, a decision, not from the mind, because what often what brings the mind to joy is to be in control or conquering. So if we really sink into the very present moment and just ask, you know, inquire in our higher self state, what is it that brings me joy in this moment? What is the choice that brings me joy? And sometimes that choice may be to, you know, put down the meditation for the day and go have a beer or, you know, like there's no right or wrong way. We just have to go with the genuine, authentic flow in the moment, whatever that is. Thank you for that powerful message. 
Yes. Uh, thank you, Mary. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yes, 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 yeah. Uh, the, the, yes, the letting go, surrender, as you say, to, um, to the truth, to joy itself. Yeah, because it really resonates true to me, that joy, the sense of freedom, really. That's what it is. It's, it's, I'm free. Oh, and it feels incredible. Yeah, well, when you think about the state of joy, you can feel it when you're, ha- you know, like, let's take, for example, when you're sad, you can feel that constriction, you can feel the heaviness. But when you're joyful, you can feel the buoyancy, you can feel the openness, you can feel the freedom in that. That's because it's part of our divine nature to be in the joyful state. Thank you so much for your presence in this reality. And today, <laughs> here you're talking to me. Thank you for what you do, how you do it, the books you write, your work. Thank you for everything, for being you, Mary. Thank you for thank being you. open. I really appreciate that. It's my pleasure. And thank you as well for all that you're doing and that all that you're rippling out into the world. I really greatly appreciate it. I see you. I thank you and I love you. The body appreciates that. It's like goosebumps everywhere. Like <laughs> That's so cute. I have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. Would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? No, I think I just want to say that we are living in such exciting times. Everything that's happening is in service to all of us. Everything that we're doing is in service to all of us. And to um, to lean into not just the trust of that, but the awe and the wonder and the fascination of that is so fun. It just makes the journey so much more fun. And I'll give you an example. A lot of people, especially right now in the world, keep saying, I'm afraid of how things will turn out or where things are going. And we can just flip that just a tiny bit using a single word, which is curious. So we change the word fear to curious. It's like, I'm so curious as to how things will play out. I'm so curious about what's ahead. You see, it opens us up to welcome whatever is coming and then we participate that's our contribution to the collective is a more inviting and welcoming and trusting kind of energy so i want to encourage everybody to um, open up and lean into that it it just makes it a lot more fun and then i also want to say uh, in addition to my first book on winning mystic um, the evolution of the message of love I I will, at the end of this month, be releasing my second book. And I'm very excited about this because it is a guided journey, basically, into what I experience. Um, I live with an exquisitely quiet mind. I live in a really open, joyous state all the time. And I help guide people into that. So the teachings that came out last year through channeling um, are all now in a beautiful book that is uh, going to be called Divine New Being, A Sublime Guided Passage to the End of Hell. And so I encourage you to watch for that. It'll come out um, October 1st. I'm very excited about that. Wonderful. Please let me know. Notify me. Oh, I'll send you a message about it anyway. <laughs> I invite you for another podcast interview. And let's see. My ending questions to you, Mary, is uh, two questions. What is another word for life? Love. Yeah. And what are three things about life you wish everyone to experience before they lose the body? Oh, just three? Um, yeah, right. Let's see. <laughs> it might be a lot more than that. Yeah. Let me use this this question to offer just a, a a short little teaching. I mentioned earlier the difference between embrace and indulge. 
And so we're called into a time now, and I hope everybody can experience this embrace of everything that we are, everything that we're experiencing, all of us. Um, and, and that includes all the things that we label bad or that we label it something that we wish was different or all those sorts of things. So I'm going to use fear as an example here and the, the difference between embrace and indulge. Where I used to live in India, in the Himalayas, about an hour down the mountain range is where they have the World Paragliding Championships. And if you've never been paragliding, the way that it happens is you're standing on this big, beautiful peak. And in, in India, there's an Indian guy strapped to your back, and then he's got a parachute strapped to his back. And so the two of you take off running and you just leap off a cliff. And then you just hope that that parachute opens, right? So embracing our fear is the thing that lets us leap off that cliff yelling woohoo <laughs> in an exhilarated <laughs> nervous as hell state but trusting the journey we're trusting the adventure yeah. indulging our fear is the thing that won't let us run off the cliff it won't let us go on the adventure it won't free us up to explore and have the woohoos right in life so that's one of the things that I hope people experience is that level of permission to go on the adventure, go on, go on that. Um, the other thing I hope that people experience is really, truly an understanding of their perfection and understanding that there is no value. They don't have like some inherent treasure chest inside of them that says this one has more rubies and this one has more gold and this one needs a whole lot more to be worthy of being here. Everybody is perfect and and priceless simply because they are here. Everything that we're doing is giving all that is the experience that only we can offer. No one has the experience like you do. Nobody. You, you, you offer this, in, this priceless, unique perspective to all that is, to God. And so recognizing your value and worth in that, I hope people experience. And then lastly, I just hope that they experience the freedom, as you've mentioned several times here, the freedom to love all that is. And that includes themselves. That includes their neighbors. That includes all that's unfolding to really be able to experience and embody the purity of that love. Oh, I have to use the same word. I love your message and I love everything <laughs> from that comes from you. Okay, thank uh, you. Thank you. Thank you, my Mary. My pleasure. It's my pleasure. Before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Mm-hmm. Unwittingmystic.com. That's simple. I'll have the link on your podcast profile as well. Perfect. Thank you again and we'll talk soon. Bye for My now. pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Mary Reed and her work, please visit unwittingmystic.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.